You're listening to Creed and Deed, a podcast discussing biblical truth and its application to everyday life. here tim it's time the creed indeed is on we're on again our podcast we're in genesis 18 and 19 today tim Hare and rob lindley coming with you with uh ancient truths and bringing them into everyday modern life tim how you doing today man man i'm good as a uh as a follower of jesus i am exceedingly blessed as a fan Uh-oh. of the Dallas Cowboys, I feel like the Lord has just cursed us. And so, oh, yeah, no. I'm okay. I'm rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing I mean, in Christ and what he's done for sometimes me. Sometimes you got to draw. The Cowboys are terrible. You gotta, sometimes you got to draw a line in the sand and say, you know, who is on the Lord's side? And, and obviously, Dallas Cowboys are not on the Lord's side today. Well, but... Hey Tim, you know what? We got more important things to talk about than football and American football. The Cowboys, yes, we do. Uh, we we have to talk about Genesis eighteen and nineteen, where Abraham is visited by three persons. Uh, it's an interesting topic today. Uh, do we need to review anything from last time to get us to this point, or should we just jump in? I think. I mean, just. If you're listening to this for the first time, we just looked at God's covenant with Abraham uh, that God initiated, promised him, uh, gave the sign of circumcision through that. Um, so I you know, encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast. Uh, but now we find ourselves in Genesis 18. I'll tell you what, let me just read these first two verses and then Rob and I will maybe have a hearty discussion about it. Uh, it says, and the Lord appeared to him. Let's, let's have a hearty one. Let's have a hearty one. It says, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servants. I'll stop right there. Um, so yeah, we have, we have this account where, uh, Abraham is just, you know, chilling under a tree. Uh, and, and I think it's always, you know, mark those tree accounts. I I think you have here a, a little, uh, satellite of Eden is what this is, uh, picturing for us where Abraham is, is resting, uh, under the tree. He's sitting there. Uh, in the heat of the day, so you have this garden, this garden-like imagery that's coming up, and all of a sudden, uh, it says that the, the the Lord appeared to him. But but what he sees are three men standing in front of him, uh, and so you know, really, there's nothing uh, crucially uh, like life-changing that this will be <laughs> that we'll be discussing here. So so we can have some differing opinions and still be in the realm of orthodoxy, but it is, it is, uh, always a, a interesting topic to discuss. Who, who are these three guys? 
And you have a couple of different options that I think are probably the most realistic. And so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll present the two options. And then, because I'm really still not sure where I land. I think Rob is a little more firm in his position than I am. Uh, but, but two options are that these three men um, are, are, well, we know for sure from the context, and we'll, we'll see this later on in Genesis 19, two of them are angels for sure. Uh, Genesis 19.1 says the two angels came to Sodom in the morning, in the evening. So, so we have two that are called angels, but there's this third, third guy. Uh, and so some people want to say that this is a Christophany, that this is Christ uh, coming down and, and appearing in some form to Abraham. Uh, and, and you can, a, a argument for that is the way that Abraham responds, where he, where he bows himself to the earth. And so, uh, and he's not corrected for it. Um, and so there's this position of, 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 uh, respect and and even a worshipful type thing that that is Abraham's response, and so uh, that's what that's one argument. Others uh, would would say that that these all three of these are uh, an angelic um, beings that represent the presence of the Lord, and so it's not Christ coming in some sort of flesh. Uh, they are angels, but with the angels, it's like the Lord's the Lord's presence goes with them, and when He speaks, uh, they are the ones that are uh, kind of the, the the intermediaries between uh, Abraham and the Lord. And so, kind of the arguments for that is really, um, and this is a this is the position that a uh, the great church father Augustine took. Um, a notable theologian today, James Hamilton, takes this position as well, uh, that, that they want to hold the incarnation of Christ in, in, in the New Testament as such a unique and defining moment that they see that if, if Christ has, had taken up some sort of flesh before now, then it's not quite as uh, significant a thing of, as what God is doing. Um, and so, so they want to see that these are these are an, angelic messengers who represent God's presence. They're, they're manifestations of His glory that is that is appearing mm-hmm. here before before Abraham. So, uh, Rob, what do you think? Right. Well, number one, I would say that the uh, that that you would say that this would be pre incarnate Christ. So. The incarnation of Christ is 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 definitely a significant event, but you also can say that the Lord speaks through um, through different methods. He speaks out of a burning bush. He speaks um, to his people through uh, these three men here. He speaks uh, in in in. I mean, he speaks through a donkey at some point. the The Lord doesn't really need to. Uh, justify how he speaks. He speaks through angels. Uh, he he can speak as he wants. And basically the text is telling us that there are three men and then there are two angels. So there are three men that, 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 that Abram sees. He speaks to the Lord in the conversation. And then chapter 19, two of the angels go to Sodom and and it says that they that they went to Sodom, and then he's speaking to the Lord. So it would suggest 
that one of the men uh, that he describes as men is actually the Lord himself. So either it's a Christophany and the word of God is being spoken uh, here through a pre-incarnate Christ or uh, God is manifesting himself in this way to speak to Abraham. Uh, I, I, I think that the, the point, like you said earlier, about the, the tree here, um, the oaks of Mamre, is, is that the Lord did come to Abram. And I think that that really is the key to the text of Scripture. We, we've talked about the Nephilim before and, and different things. But the, I think the key understanding is that the Lord comes and speaks to Abraham and promises a son through Sarah. And through the son of Sarah, we see, uh, again, this judgment motif. As he's giving deliverance, judgment is coming. And so as he's delivering Abraham and Sarah from their lack of being able to have a child, he's also judging the people of Sodom and Gomorrah who happen to be caught up in homosexuality, which I think, again, all of these things are coming together um, to produce an offspring uh, that will crush the head of the serpent. So I think the narrative is continuing here, taking us back to Genesis, meeting with the Lord, producing an offspring, having trouble in childbearing, and God's judgment coming upon those who have rejected his design and and his his ways. So I think all of these things are coming together. I think just as much as uh, the narrative of not having children and the the uh, the Lord coming to Abram, I think just has as much to do with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, no, that's good. And and uh, I do think you hit on something with, you know, these uh, themes and motifs that are seen throughout Scripture. Uh, this will not be the last time that a couple with the woman being barren, uh, needing a son or, or desiring a son, uh, the Lord opening the womb, and then the Lord... Uh, uh, through that son being born and through that life is going to have uh, that that son's life is going to carry some um, some connection to this idea of, of resurrection. That's something that gets played out a few different times. It's obviously what will get played out. Um, we'll probably look at it the next time next week uh, when we look at the sacrifice of Isaac. Uh, but there's a uh, there's a a story in Second Kings chapter four. Where Elisha, um, who is who is who who follows Elijah and, and he's he's doing the same thing that that Elijah is doing. Elisha is really he's the presence of God in uh, Israel at that time. As he's um, um, where, where where Elisha goes, that's where the power of God is. And there's a a Shunammite woman uh, who Elisha befriends, and she's barren. It says, and it, and it even says that this couple that it's the it's the exact same. It's the exact same language that's used of Abraham and Sarah here. Uh, they're advanced in years, and she's barren. And he opens up her womb, 
And then in like the next, the, I think it's the next chapter or the next uh, story with the Shunammite, the, the son dies. Uh, and, 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 and Elisha goes uh, with the Shunammite, and he lays himself out on the boy and, and he resurrects his life. Uh, and so it's right. just this, this motif that's seen throughout scriptures of God miraculously opening the womb. And then through that, through that son's life, there's this, this, this promise, or, um, there's a, a scene of, of, of resurrection that takes place through that child's life. Uh, and, and we'll see that more that's as, interesting. as we go. Yeah. And we'll see that in uh, in Isaac and the ram caught in the thicket, right? The resurrection. There That's right. The, because Abraham, with, Abraham, with, he's about goes with such faith. Him. Yeah, he he goes with such faith that even if even if Isaac dies, he's trusting that God's going to bring him back to life. He's trusting that he's going to return to those servants right. with his son. Um, and so, yeah. so yeah, so we'll look at that. The, the, and, um, very interesting. Quickly, well, the Hebrew uh, word right here for barren, Tim. Yeah. The Hebrew word for barren is uh, it literally means to be unrooted, to not be uh, rooted, is connected to uh, the source of life. And and so you go back to the the Garden of Eden, right? The tree of Life, and and this theme of of connected to the source of life, to eat from the tree of life. Uh, almost in this representation of eating from the very presence and, and nature of God Himself, which will will carry through to uh, you know the taking and eating of 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 the the cup and the the bread, which is of Christ, so that we may have life and all of these things. This connection to um, this connection to barrenness and connection to God and life. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons why the curse upon the woman is pain and childbearing. It's not just the pain and childbearing, but the whole process of having a child. Um, many times in the Old Testament, uh, we see the pain that Hannah has in her barrenness. So I think uh, one of the things that we can trust the Lord with, even um, when we're struggling with uh, unfruitful womb, is that God sees us where we are, just as he sees Abraham and Sarah, and that he knows us and he has a plan um, to produce you know, offspring. He has a plan to produce godly offspring that will fill the earth and reflect his glory. And so uh, even if we don't have a child, and I'm speaking to many people in our world today, can't have children for whatever reason or don't have a child, we know that God is producing godly offspring and we have an opportunity to make a difference, discipling and training up people. We have a different, we, we can make a difference within the church, even if we don't have uh, our own sons and daughters. So I think there is, children of Abraham, for instance, um, uh, that, that we can have an impact on uh, within the body of Christ. And so we're looking past ourselves now and our needs and our wants and what the kingdom of God is doing and what he wants to do across in, in being a blessing to all nations.
joy, the joy, the joy. Yeah, that's good. And, and I love this, you know, uh, I'm not going to read it all, but when the Lord appears to him, Abraham gets really excited and, and he, he basically goes and they, they cook this feast and, and they bring bread, they uh, cook a, a calf, um, they, they have curds and milk and all this, this huge feast. And it says in verse eight, uh, at the very end there, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And so you just get this picture of, of really what, what life in the garden was, was supposed to be like. Uh, they were supposed mm, to be feasting in the presence of the Lord. Uh, and, and here Abraham is doing that and, and he's, he's there, mm. he's with the Lord, they're eating. It's this, it's this, uh, um, just this glorious picture. And, 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 and it's what we're, we're waiting for, right? We're waiting to be able to return to where the tree of life is one day and, and where we will be with, uh, with God at the, the, the marriage supper of the lamb. Uh, and so I think you get just a, just a little glimmer of that there in verse eight. Um, and then here you have, uh, verses, verses nine through, uh, 15 and, and, and God saying, yeah. That, Revelation three twenty Tim Revelation three twenty says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What a beautiful picture you just painted there of the Lord coming and eating with Abraham as was intended in the garden. And now we'll be again uh, in, in, as he says yeah. in revelation, go ahead. And no, no, no. And I'll just, just, well, since, since, since you went there, uh, I'll just go down a little bit farther there. You know, I don't want to, we get laughed at because, you know, we have Baptists in our, we're both Southern Baptists and we have Baptists in our potluck and, and food and we like to fellowship. And, uh, you know, we, we, we are, we have many in our, uh, churches that, that, that borderline on gluttony and, and that's not good, but, but, you know, there is a, there is a, a theme throughout scriptures of people, of God's people gathering together to, to eat, uh, and to fellowship. Like when you have the institution of, of the Lord's supper, right. We're not talking about, we, we, as, as a church, uh, yesterday, we, we partook of the Lord's supper together and, and, and it wasn't a, you know, quarter inch little stale wafer and you know a half an ounce of uh or less of, of grape juice like it was a meal it watered was a down feast. grape juice right it was you know uh and 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 so you so that's what was taking place in the new test they're gathering in homes and fellowshipping together and, and breaking bread together uh and, and when you do that you are a a living picture of, of what I think heaven will be like, uh, where there will be mm. feasting and joy and incredible fellowship together. And so, so I would just encourage listeners like, man, make a point in your life to get together with believers and just fellowship and rejoice in the Lord, delight in what Christ has done, delight yeah. in just the, the good gifts that he's given us. Um, and so I think there is something to, to, to harp on there. Amen. So, uh, Amen. so then so you have. What do we? Where do we go from here? So from there, uh, we have where a God comes to. He's he's in this conversation with with Abraham and Sarah. He says that they're 
old and advanced in years. Um, and, and he says this time next year, Sarah, your wife shall have a son and Sarah doesn't believe. And she kind of laughs to herself and, um, and, and says to herself, am I, am I, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Um, and the Lord's like, why did Sarah laugh? This is going to happen. Uh, and, and he says in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Uh, Sarah, Sarah said that she didn't laugh, but uh, because she was afraid, uh, and the Lord says, no, you did. Uh, and so, so you just have this where, where, where Abraham and Sarah, they've really struggled with this promise from the Lord because of just their physical circumstances, their physical age. And so they've tried other ways. Abraham has tried to, to say, hey, Eleazar, he can, he can be the offspring and he can carry this blessing. And the Lord's like, nope. Uh, Sarah says, well, here, here's Hagar. We'll, we'll do this. Uh, and so they've, they've, just, they've just struggled to, 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 to believe in what the Lord has promised. Um, because of 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 where they are in life and the circumstances of life, and it doesn't seem that is that it is humanly possible, uh, and yet God is saying, "Nope, it's it's possible," and and in a year from now, uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's an incredible story for sure. The when when we when we look at this story, I I see from here the uh not only the unfaithfulness of Abraham and Sarah but the faithfulness of God to continue to work to continue to uh pursue them even in their unfaithfulness all the way through uh to now and and then you have this motif of you know God's salvation God's glory being shown in his salvation through judgment mm and so his his Where'd you get that, his, Rob? his mo, mo, motif. I I got that from you, man. <laughs> and uh, and so this motif now begins with the judgment of Sodom, and uh, we got a lot to talk about here with Sodom. Yeah. So, um, it begins kind of in verse seventeen, uh, or sixteen. It says, "Then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom." And Abraham went with them to, to see them on their way. The Lord said, so he's, he's speaking to the, his angels here. He says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Uh, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. you have the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, just just coming up, blazing up to heaven, uh, the, the wickedness of this city. And so God is coming down um, to, to deal with this wickedness. Um, and, and that's what, that's what these angels are, are, are come to do. They are, uh, they are angels 
coming to enact judgment. Um, by the way, yes, Rob did get that God's glory and salvation through judgment from me, but I did not originate that. That comes from Dr. James Hamilton. So, uh, sir, whenever you listen to this podcast, I appreciate your work very greatly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah they- so let's talk about this. I, I really want to talk about this. We, we don't have a ton of time to talk about it, but the main sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is homosexuality. Tim and I want to I want to discuss this in in a little bit of of length here. But when you see the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah as homosexuality, what what do you think of in today's world and how we relate to that? Let me say one thing. I I don't. I think the sin of homosexuality is most definitely one of the sins. I think there's a number of other sins. It's it is just a it is a picture of complete worldliness. Uh, because what you're going to see is 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 when Lot finds out that God's judgment is coming, uh, he goes to his son son in laws who are supposed to marry his daughter. So they're having a a you know it, that that's not a homosexual re- relationship there. Um, sure. But they see that sure. Lot is just jesting. Like, oh, this is great. Oh, yeah, that's 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 funny. That's funny. And so, so it's just kind of the, the way of the world. Um, but but what we see, uh, the, the the most prevalent sin that comes to the surface is when these angels come to Lot, and Lot takes them in, and the men of the city come to try uh, to uh, to yeah be with them. And so, uh, but yeah, so I, I you think, think homosexuality is a sin that has resulted in the wickedness of this city, not the sin. Correct. Correct. I don't. I. I think it's. I. I think. Um, it, it seems to be that there's a, there's a, a a plethora of of sins. I think from this city that it's just it's just a city of worldliness. It's a city where. People are about their their own possessions, and so you have, uh, you know, you have uh, Lot's wife will will look back and and longing for the possessions that she that she had um, accrued there, and so it's just a. I think it's a great picture of of our society, right? Um, of all the the things in the world that um, that that lure us and entice us. Um, and, 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 and most definitely homosexuality is a, uh, is a glaring wickedness that, that comes to the scene here. Uh, but I do think there's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's just that. I don't think it's just that. Mm. Um, I I think that it is a, it is a completely and totally, it is run amok with, with wickedness. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. the idea here is the same idea that's going to, that's going to come up with when, um, you know, there's, there's already been when, when God was covenanting with Abraham, uh, he says, Hey, you're not going to go into the promised land because the sins of the Amorites have not yet been completed. Right. So there's, there's right, coming this, right. this, this, this day when their sins are going to be complete. I think for Sodom and Gomorrah, their day is now their sins are complete. Yeah. Um, one of those sins most definitely is homosexuality, but I don't, I don't think that, 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 oh, they're committing sex, homosexuality. That means that's the completeness of their sins. 
I think we just right. get to to, to right. witness that sin through this narrative. But I do think there's other sins that are going on there. If you if somebody was to ask you why is homosexuality wrong, which in today's world, you know, you you probably have a lot of people that would ask that question. What what would you say to them? Uh well, I mean, one, it's it's uh it's wrong because the Lord commands that not to happen in a number of different places. Uh, but it, it goes against the creation mandate. It is, um, you know, by defin by biblical definitions, uh, it, you can't have a gay marriage. Like that's by the, by the definition, the working definitions that we have, the definition of, of marriage is, is the coming together of, of one, one man and one wife. That's marriage by definition. So, so you have, you have what, what I would say homosexual behavior. Um, and, and that is, that is condemned from scripture because it is not the way that God has created. God created woman, women, a woman to be, uh, uh, to, uh, to be with you to, um, we call it, what's, what's the, uh, um, it's compatible, right? That with, with, uh, women is, is who is compatible with a man. Um, and so, uh, God, it gives, gives, is very clear on this. It's not a, it's not something that's up for debate. And it's, and it's obviously something that the, the world, the way of the world, they've, they've struggled with it for a long time because God gives his people laws about this, um, in, in Exodus, and we see it happening here. So early on, we know that this was a struggle in the heart of man uh, that, that goes against God's original design for the way that a, a man and a woman are supposed to relate to each other. Yeah. And I would just add one more thing is, is that, you know, God's created order. We, we don't determine what is right and what is wrong. God determines what is right and what is wrong by his creative order that he has created. And the two becoming one flesh is created for a man and woman in marriage, which actually is a picture of Christ and the church. And so a, any perversion of that marriage bed or defilement of of marriage in its pure context is a defilement of the nature and character of God himself and how he he relates to his people and so um you know God not only hates divorce uh but he hates any sexual immorality because it is a perversion of of the relationship that he has with his people and when the pictures of 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 the gospel are perverted in society to create their own um you know tower of babel if you will or create their own method for marriage or create their own way of existence their own god carved out of an image their own high place their own fake garden of eden uh, the judgment and wrath of God comes. It's not just upon homosexuality, as you said, 
but it's upon any sin that, um, you know, is against God. And Mm -hmm. again, if you, if you've been with us for the first 18 chapters, you'll understand that our God is extremely gracious. He's extremely loving. He extreme, he shows extreme care and forgiveness and mercy to those that love him. But he also does not allow the, um, the sinner to go unpunished and he will bring his judgment upon those who spite him and what the the biblical narrative says, hate him by not obeying his commands. And so, you know, if you struggle right now, if you're on our podcast and you're listening to this and you're going, man, these guys are really strongly against homosexuality. No, we, we, we love people as God loves people. Yeah. And we want people to understand that God's provision is Jesus Christ for sinners, even homosexuals. The the New Testament talks about, you know, uh, we were once homosexuals, but now we have been redeemed. We have been made holy and we are now God's people. And he is presenting us as holy and righteous, not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And so, you know, our goal is not to um, change people's uh, physical attractive attracted, uh, attraction. Our goal is to point people to the great God of the universe that is more attractive than any man, woman, or any type of, of idol or any type of thing that they could ever uh, want or ask for or desire, that our God is worth desiring and loving and placing above any relationship that they have. And uh, that's, that, is, that is really, again, what God is doing in this narrative is he's showing, listen, Abraham, have faith and trust that I will provide a child for you and a people who have rejected God in their, in their way of life and are going after even God's own angels uh, to take and eat for themselves uh, have missed uh, have missed God's provision for their life, have not placed their faith in the Lord, and thus will be judged. And anyone who doesn't place their faith in the Lord, uh, you know, whether a homosexual or heterosexual, uh, will ultimately face the judgment and wrath of God. Yeah, that's so good, Rob. And uh, earlier, the the word was escaping me. I said compatible. I meant to say that uh, man and woman exist in a complementarian relationship. So, so it's the idea that there they complete go. one another. That that woman was created to be a complement to man. And, and man was created to be a compliment to woman to where they have different giftings and different strengths. And they're created with, when they come together as one, uh, as God intended that then that's how they are. They glorify the God, they glorify the Lord through, um, God's design for their life. And, uh, so complementarianism, there you go. That, I, the word was escaping me. <laughs> Uh, but Rob, you're so right, and I love I love that passage. What, what you're alluding to Second uh, Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians six or seven, and he gives Paul gives this list of of sins, and he says such were some of you, uh, but but they've been 
basically his point is they've been saved now and they are no longer identified by those. So, so, so somebody, uh, does not have to be identified by their past sins uh, or even their current sins. Um, and, and there's, there's hope in Christ. So, uh, that's good. Uh, in, in, in verses 22 through 33 of chapter 18, you have this very interesting account where God has promised that he's going to bring judgment upon Sodom. And Abraham comes to God and says, Hey, um, if there's, if there's 50 people righteous in the city, will you destroy it? Uh, and God's like, no, I won't destroy it if there's 50. And, and, and it's just, it's back and forth where Abraham is even like, man, I'm, I, I'm worthless. Don't, you know, but God, if there's, if there's, you know, 10 righteous people, would you destroy? It? He's like, I will not destroy it. For ten righteous people, but what's interesting there is uh, the word in verse twenty-three. It says, "Then Abraham drew near." That word there is used uh, of the priests in the temple when they draw near to the holy of holies, when they draw near to um, to present sacrifice, when they draw near to God to to mediate before the people. And so that's what Abraham is personifying here: is he is a priest. Uh, he is a priest who's interceding uh, for the nations. He's interceding for Lot, uh, and from Lot is going to come nations. And so, so Abraham really is doing what we are also called to do in 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 being <laughs> and interceding on behalf of the people. We are going and, and we're pleading for them before the Lord. Uh, the same language is used of in uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Hebrews four sixteen, where the author of Hebrews says, "Let us draw near." to the throne of grace with confidence. That's what we're supposed to be doing as we're here living on this earth and we're seeking to be a blessing to the nations and we're, we're seeking to, 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 to call out nations uh, from, to, to get them to turn from their sins and turn to the Lord. Uh, we're drawing near to God, interceding on their behalf, uh, going to them and, and, and declaring the good news that it's available to them, that if they would just repent and believe, that they too can have have the light of the gospel um, transform their lives, and so you just get that picture here with Abraham drawing near to the Lord uh, and interceding for uh, his nephew Lot and for the nations. Any any thoughts you have there, Rob? Well, that's good. Yeah, I I would just add that that you know this is this is not only you know the priesthood of believers, but ultimately our priesthood is in the King who interceded on behalf of, of the nations um, and intercedes on behalf of the nations to make us righteous so that the judgment of God does not come upon his people. So, you know, in essence, basically it's a, it's a picture here of Christ um, uh, going to the Lord and saying, no, these are, these people are considered righteous because of the blood that has been shed upon the cross for them and uh and the lord withholds his wrath from uh his people and so you know when it comes down to it are we any different than sodom right like i mean really really like are we any different than than any sinner no we're not 
the the verse that you you were talking about, First Corinthians six nine. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, or drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will enter the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so the reality, it's a humbling reality to realize that, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah is is no different than your hometown or the place that you live. And yet Christ has come. He has declared you righteous and God withholds his wrath from you for all eternity so that you can be with him and sit under the tree and have fellowship and eat your feast with the Lord. Right? I mean, that's it, man. That's it. This is good. Great. Great. Um, let's, uh, let's try to quickly move through Genesis 19 uh, a story that I would I would think if you're listening to this podcast you're probably somewhat familiar because we talk about the Bible so I would think that most of the people that are listening are uh, at least somewhat familiar with the Bible uh, but uh, but it's the account of 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 God God's rescue of Lot and so these these two angels they come to Sodom in the evening uh, and the first person they come to is is Lot. And, uh, you know, Lot is a, I'll say this, Lot is a very confusing character in the scriptures because you're not really sure, uh, man, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? He, he, he obviously chose wrong and moving away from Abraham. Uh, but, but here he seems to have a, uh, hospitable nature. Uh, he knows of the wickedness of the town. It's like, Hey, you, you guys need to come, come and stay with me. Uh, and so he brings in the angels. He, he pleads with them to come in. And then that night, the, the men of the city come out and they ask for the angels to be brought out. And then it's like, you know, it's got to be a low point, right? He offers his, his, his daughters instead of the angels. But, you know, there is a, you know, a, 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 this ancient Near Eastern view of if you have opened your house to a guest, then, you know, you, you basically do everything in your power uh, to protect your guests. That's just kind of how it worked. And so, uh, but, but still you're just kind of, you know, what, what, what's, what's going on here. Uh, and, and then these, these angels, uh, kind of flash a little bit of their, a little bit of their power, because as these men are, are, uh, trying to come into the house in verse 11, it says, and they struck with blindness, the men who are at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. Uh, and so he just, the angels just blind them and, and uh, demonstration of, of God's power and God's judgment upon, the, upon their lives. Uh, and then they, they tell Lot, hey, uh, you have anyone else here? If you've got family here, you need to get out um, because there are obviously not 10 righteous people here. There's one maybe somewhat righteous family that God's going to be exceedingly gracious with, uh, and he's going to rescue them. But God's judgment is going to come down upon this city. Uh, they, their, their sins are complete, basically. Um, and, and, and you see in verse 14 that Lot, he goes up and, and says to his, his son-in-laws, who are, who, are, who are men from the city, 
that they were just supposed to marry his daughters. Hey, say, hey, up, get out of this place. The Lord's about to destroy it. Uh, but he seemed to his son, sons-in-laws to be jesting. Oh, it's, you know, it's just, it's just a joke. Um, I, I'm, I'm reminded there of, I don't know, Rob, if you've read this, but Pilgrim's Progress, uh, it, it recounts the story of a man named, named Christian. It's, it's, uh, Pilgrim's Progress is written by uh, a Puritan named John Bunyan, and it's, it's like the most well-read book outside of the Bible. Um, but, uh, but Christian is, is from, it's the city of, of destruction. And, and there's the, the city of destruction gets these visitors telling people, uh, there's a great King and he's going to come and bring judgment upon your wickedness. And Christian hears these, these, these visitors and he listens to them and, and, uh, they tell of the King who's at the celestial kingdom. Uh, and, 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 uh, Christian is like, well, that's, that's where I want to go. And, um, and, uh, so, so, but, but as he, Christian tells the the story of the stories of of this great king and of these visitors that he's heard. The people in the city they just laugh at him. They laugh at him. They shun him. Uh, and and eventually, Christian ends up going through a gate on a a path to the celestial kingdom. Um, and so anyway, that's just kind of the picture I see here. Uh, God's judgment's coming. This is this is now the city of destruction. Uh, and and you have had visiting messengers come and tell you it's coming swiftly. Get out. Get it. Get 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 your any family member that's willing to come with you and leave. And these son in laws, they just laugh at him. They just think, oh, what a you know, you're so funny. Um, and so so uh, and then you have verse sixteen, yeah. and and I, maybe we can spend a little time here. It says, uh, many many in today's world uh, are sons in laws of Lot. They right. They, uh, we, we tell of the coming judgment of the Lord, the, the judgment of God around the white throne. When we all perish, we will be judged by what we do. And, uh, you know, there, there are many who, who laugh at us because we pronounce the good news of Christ. We pronounce God's salvation has come. And the judgment and wrath of God is coming, and they, and and they laugh, and yeah. uh, it's it's sad, but it is true. Uh, in verse sixteen, now you have uh, Lot's wife, Tim. Right. Well, well, before we get there, verse sixteen is interesting because it says, "But he lingered," and it's talking about Lot. So the angels have just said, "Get out of here! Destruction's coming." Lot knows what these angels are capable of, right? He's seen them strike all the city, uh, the, all the men of the city with blindness immediately. And it says, but he lingered. And here you get another just incredible picture of God's grace. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. And then it says the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So they actually have to physically yank this family out of the city and uh and it's it's the only people that have any any semblance of of righteousness within them because they 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 took in these these strangers and uh and and that's it that's that's all they're going by there's some level of obedience in lot i guess he he tries to warn people and and eventually he does he does go and and unlike his wife he's not going to look back He's going to keep walking, and so there is a, a a level of trust and obedience in the Lord. So that's a that's a fruit of righteousness in his life, um, and yet he he lingered. And I think you know it, we 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 would do well 
to reflect upon our lives on, on what are the things in this world that we're lingering upon? Uh, what, what is it, what is it in our life? Uh, Hebrews talks about, um, what is it? What, what, what weight is, do I need to be, uh, relieved of that can help me run my race? Um, the, the, the mm. question of, of, uh, and, and I think, I think John Piper does is that we, we often ask the question like, uh, well, is this wrong to do? Is it wrong for me to, to, to play video games all night? Is it wrong for me to go to, you know, R rated movies and fill my mind with violence? Is it, is it wrong for me to do those things? Well, it may not be wrong. I don't know. We, we have freedom in Christ, but the better question to ask, and this is what Piper says, does it help you run your race? Is what you are doing helping you run the race that you have been appointed to run, to run for the glory of God and to, 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 to delight and joy in what, and find joy in what Christ has done? Uh, if it's not helping you do that, then I think we need to be asking the question, then why am I doing it? Uh, and I think it's often because we right. enjoy lingering in the things of the world. Our flesh uh, finds satisfaction in that rather than uh, full satisfaction in Christ. Your sweet and right instruction. Oh, the joy, the joy, the joy of those who delight in the law of the Lord. Oh, the joy, the joy, the joy. So basically, Lot doesn't lead his wife well because he lingers and then all of a sudden in verse verse 25 um or in verse 26 but lot's wife be, look, behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt uh she turned and looked back and and the hebrew word there looked back means more than just a glance over the shoulder it means to regard to consider to pay attention to and yeah. so there's this longing or desire for her uh to to have this life that she had in Sodom her old life and so she had hesitated in obey, obeying god's command and so i think the the thought process is when god has provided us salvation uh, and we understand that salvation. When he saves us, he chooses us and saves us. And we look back. There, there is this this idea that if we if we consider or or think, man, my life was better. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough as the judgment of God comes upon us. And uh, just like the Israelites longed for the days of Egypt when they were slaves, they asked uh, Moses, at least we had bread and food to eat, but Here's the deal. When we become Christians, God has saved us from so much. We need to look forward and see what the future that God has for us. And as a result of, of Lot's sin of lingering, as a result of his wife's sin of, um, of looking back and desiring what was before here, we'll, we'll see in the future um, the, the, the kingdoms or the, the people, the nations of Moab, um, and, and another nation will come about, which will be, uh, completely disruptive of the kingdom of God and will be antagonists or against, uh, God's people. 
and uh, um, very, very wicked nations. So uh, it's interesting. Yeah, no, and that that just, you know, that leads right into this last scene here where um, you have Lot escaping. Uh, he and his daughters, they come and they, they basically just go to a cave. And um, as they, they get their father uh, drunk, and uh, the daughters, it just says that they, they lay with their father and they each bear sons. Um, and, and from those sons come the Moabites and from uh, the other son come the Ammonites. And yes, like you said, both of those nations will prove to be um, very hostile towards uh, the people of Abraham. And so you, you definitely do see uh, the consequence of sinful actions. But um, this story, uh, if, if you read it carefully um, and you make note of the details, this is, this is the pattern of the way of the world uh, because th- th- this is the same thing that happened with Noah and his family. Uh, the, the, the wickedness comes from the world up to God and, and it's so much so that God, it says that God uh, regretted that he had uh, created them. And, and um, he, there's one righteous family, Noah, and God saves them uh, from the judgment that he rained down. So, so and by the way, the, it says in uh, what, what verse? Um, oh, yeah, verse 24 of 19. The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. So he rains fire this time before he he rained water down and and brought flood and destroyed, utterly destroyed the world. Uh, But through that judgment, he saves this, uh, quote unquote, righteous family. And so you're thinking, okay, everything's good. And 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 God has God has rescued them and they're ready to now, you know, to 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 live a blessed life. Um, But just like uh, Lot and his daughters here, we think back to what occurred with Noah. Uh, what you see is that the wickedness of uh, you see the wickedness of Noah's son Ham, and and he does what ought not to be done with his father, Uh, and from that is incredible wickedness. And so, so what you begin to see is that God saved these people, and you're like, all right, we're good. But the wickedness is not just physical; Um, the wickedness is in their hearts. And what you begin to realize is that the only way for the, for, for, for humanity to be restored and to and to exist in a in a uh, in a glorious in a good relationship with God is for humanity to have a new heart. They need to have new affections. They need to have new desires because all this other stuff. Even if you even if you completely take wickedness out of the world, you've still got a, at least one family that has wicked hearts. Uh, and that's what you see here. And so just a, a lot of comparisons, a lot of same language that's picked up in both of these showing that it's a, it's a pattern in the way that the Lord works. And listen, I, I think this is a way of, of, of pointing us to the future, that there is going to come a day when God will rain down judgment again. And, uh, and, and, and his, uh, he, he, he promised that Christ will return and he will judge the nations and he will, um, he will beat them with a, with a, a rod of iron. And uh, he will he will overthrow those who have rebelled against them, those that have clung to their wickedness and rejected uh, rejected the gospel of Christ. 
so many uh, similarities between Genesis and Revelation. Very interesting. Lots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Well, you can't... Next, listen, you, next time... Uh, people may not like this, but you can't understand Revelation if you don't understand... Uh, I'm just going to go out and say almost most of the books of the Old Testament. You have to have a working knowledge of of the symbols and the, the signs, because that's what John is doing. He takes up all of the Old Testament symbols and imagery and puts them in his, in his, uh, in his book. So right. uh, you've got to know right. these things because it's, yeah, he's going to, it's going to come up again. So basically summarizing today, 18 and 19, cause we're, we're out of time this morning yeah. or today, but uh, when we, see God. We see an awesome God who provides uh, salvation for us. We see this awesome God who, you know, provides the the birth of Isaac, which will provide the 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 salvation for us in Christ. But we also see this this God who who when wickedness comes up to him, he must punish uh, sin, and the unfortunate side of of this whole thing is God's provision of salvation through His judgment. And when we when we place our faith in the promise of God in Christ Jesus, we are saved from the wrath and judgment of God. But when we choose to go our own way we reject god's plan as uh lot's wife did we it ends up very very bad not only in this life but uh ultimately we face the judgment and, and the wrath of god as they did in, in the days of sodom and so i i uh uh mr t says i pity the fool right like no i i do i pity the fool man i pity the fool who says uh, I don't need God uh, because builds his house on at the some sand. point the they came. will they will have to face the great God. Like you great know, the, yep. It, the Amorites, their sin has not come up against me. It hasn't reached their fullness until until now, and when it does, it's it's not a pretty sight. Yeah, good stuff, Rob. So. Well, hey, let's uh, let's end this thing before uh, I want to. We I, I didn't even know this. I, I thought you we would get a notification or something, but we do we do have a review, Rob. It's our first review. Oh, and from a it. guy for L Mit 8 So if you are L Mit 8 congratulations, uh, you are our first reviewer, our winner our winner when Rob and I write a book, we will give you a free copy. Um, and here is his review. He gave us a four star review and said, these pastors are pretty cool. (laughs) These pastors are pretty cool. So thank you. Elmit. You would be (laughs) a lot cooler if you would give us a five star review. (laughs) No, I'm just, (laughs) uh, but anyway, yeah. If you, uh, if you, if you listen to the podcast, we greatly appreciate, uh, giving us a rating, writing us a review, telling us what you think, and uh, we will read your review uh, on the air. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord for his work. Praise the Lord for his word. 
and uh damn it's it's been enjoyable enjoyable listening to this uh 18 and 19 here it's a lot lot in here it's long this is a long cast yes a lot is in there haha <laughs> i need i need sound effects all right guys it's been a joy we will uh rob we'll, we'll be on next week we will be on next week. This is the Creed Indeed podcast. We are thankful that you're listening all the way through to uh, Genesis 18 and 19, where ancient truths come to the modern world, and we see biblical truths for everyday life here on the Creed and the Deed. Uh, Tim, appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Blessings. Thank you for listening to Creed Indeed. We are a podcast seeking to discuss biblical truth and its application to everyday life. If you are enjoying the conversations that Rob and I are having, then we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and consider giving us a rating and some feedback as well as like our page on Facebook. That will allow us to better be able to interact with our listeners. Our theme music, entitled King of the Mountain, is by our dear friend Erskine Anavitarte. And our interlude and concluding music comes to you from a very talented husband and wife duo called Poor Bishop Hooper. All of their information can be found in the show notes below each episode. We want to close with this verse from Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Grace and peace.